Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. She told me that she had a vision that I was going to be a pastor and she saw me in a robe and she saw a red curtain behind me. I said, Mom, there is really something wrong with you. I mean, really, not only that, but all those preachers wearing those robes, I can't do that. And sure enough, who would have thunk it? Six years later, January 23rd, 1982, I was 21 years old. I called my mom and said, Mom, guess what? She said, what? I said, I gave my life to Christ, and I became a Christian. And, man, I could hear her. I was out in California. I could hear her praising and jumping and speaking in tongues, and she was just going on, yeah, praise the Lord. And God began to work in my life then. God began to call me then. I never knew that. And then people would just walk up to me. I remember a time where, you know, I, I, my wife and I, this is fast forward so many years later, Elvira and I got married, and, 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 and we were walking into like a Home Depot, like a lumber place or whatever. And I remember this one lady, she, um, at Home Depot, and we, we walk up, and you know, you see a lady standing there, and you're just so nice, and they, hey, how you doing? You know, you're just being friendly. Hey, how you doing? And uh, she was a, you know, short black lady, and and, and she just, she, she looked at me, and I looked at her, I'm like, how you doing? She was like, up, up. She goes, she's looking all around my head, you know? She goes, uh, you a preacher? You know, not preacher, you a preacher? I was like, she's she looking all around my head? And I, and I said, uh, well, no, no, I'm not. I mean, no, I'm not. I said, well, you know, why'd you ask? She goes, well, you got a fat neck like a preacher. I said, oh, you want some of this, huh? Oh, come on. I ain't scared of you now. And she's just like, yo, you, you, you. And she, she just said, God's going to use your life. God is going to use your life. I never saw this woman ever just walked up on her. God's going to use your life. God's going to bless your life. Listen, God will use your life and God blesses your life because of the seeds that are sown in your life. When Paul met Timothy, listen, Timothy, Paul didn't do much of anything in Timothy's life. His grandmama and his mama sowed the seed of the word of God in his life. And by the time Paul saw him on the first missionary journey, his heart had already been prepared he was already a godly guy and he went in the ministry as a result of what his parents did in his life mom dad listen grandmom granddad how important it is for you to give your children the scriptures saints say amen give your children the scriptures teach them the bible Sow the seed, even if they don't understand it. 
even if they're not believers, you tell them about Jesus. And I'm confident that Timothy's mom and Timothy's grandparents, I don't think they sat him down to say, okay, Timothy, now we're going to have a Bible study. Okay, now you sit down, young man. We're going to have a Bible study, and we're going to start in the book of Leviticus. <laughs> He's like, ah! I don't think that's how it happened. I think it happened more like Timothy was living his life day to day and mom would say to him, if a situation would happen or a circumstance would happen or something would go on in Timothy's life and his mom would say, hey, Timothy, guess what the Bible says about that? Hey, well, man, let's just pray about that, Timothy. Let's pray about that. Or God's word has this to say, or God's word. That's how you lead your children to the Lord. You don't sit them down and start a Bible study in in Numbers, Leviticus, Daniel, or anything else over their head. You day to day, you love them, and you give them simply what the word of God has to say in every situation. And the problem is oftentimes we are trying to live the life of a Christian at church but they see something different at home. You see, Timothy and a godly grandmama and a godly mom who shared the word. Each service after service, people came up to me today and said, you know what? I know because my grandmom told me about Jesus. My mom, and I didn't believe it for many years, but that seed was sown in their lives and watered by the Holy Spirit and will bring forth fruit just like it did in the life of Timothy. He's a great guy, a great man of God. So Paul takes Timothy as mentor and and disciples him. And notice the Bible tells us that Paul, in verse 3, took Timothy and he circumcised him because of the Jews. Now, you want to keep in mind that Paul was traveling to Jewish areas. Remember when he went into a city, he would go to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. And so Paul traveling in Jewish areas, knowing that circumcision is important to Jewish people, he tells Timothy, Timothy, let's go in the ministry together. But before we do, I got to circumcise you. And Timothy probably said, you have to? (laughs) I mean, really? Paul says, yeah. Why? Because of law? Because it was legal? No. Remember we talked about liberty has its limits? Remember that last week? They did that not because of the law, but because of the law of love. They were walking in love for their Jewish brethren. Well, in your text, Silas, Paul, Timothy are traveling to various cities. And they delivered the decree that was determined by the church council. If you were with us, you know that in Acts chapter 15. Now notice in verse 6. Acts 16 and verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phygeria, look at verse 6, and the region of Galatia, they were, note this, saints, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Messiah, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing in verse 8 by Messiah, they came down to Troas. And from Troas, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we, notice the change in the personal pronoun, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel 
to them. Two things I want you to notice in verse 6, saints, look at it again. The Spirit forbade them to preach in Asia. And then again in verse 7, the Spirit did not permit them to go to Bithynia. In other words, simply put, listen, the Spirit of God told them not to go and preach. Have you ever heard tell us such? The Spirit of God told them not to go and preach. Now, in the interest of time, let me tell you this. The Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. That the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an energy. He is not a force. He is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. And as a person, he has a personality. And the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit has an intellect. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit has a will. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit has emotion. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, can be quenched. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Bible says the Holy Spirit can teach. You can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He has a personality. Listen, all of these things cannot be done to an energy or force. An energy doesn't have an intellect. An energy doesn't have a will. You can't quench and grieve an, an, an energy or force. So the Holy Spirit is a person. Here in our text, we learn that the Holy Spirit speaks. And notice he says, don't go preach in Asia, and he wouldn't allow them to go to Bithynia. Now listen quickly. As it relates to missions, as it relates to missions, as it relates to missionary work, saints, listen, here at the church, we get a lot of emails, mail, personal letters, People asking the church for financial support, for missionary work. And all of this work, all of these things are good. Although, if we were to support everything that we are asked to support, saints, we could deplete the church's checking account tomorrow. We can't. And the reason why we can't, because we need to be people who are seeking and praying and asking the Lord what mission work we need to be involved in and what he is calling us to be involved in. All of these things are good. Don't misunderstand me. All of these things are good. But we need to be praying as to God, what do you want us involved in? Because we can't be involved in every single thing. We notice here that the Spirit of God is telling them not to go to Bithynia. The Spirit of God is telling them not to go preach in Asia. So we have Paul and Silas and Timothy, and they're like a pinball. If you're kind of reading this and getting the feeling, they're like a pinball machine getting directed as the Spirit leads and moves them to the place that he wants them to go. And so they want to go to Asia, and the Spirit said no. And they want to go to Messiah, and the Spirit said no. And they want to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit said no. And Paul wants to go here, and Paul wants to go there. And Paul is thinking, hey, I just want to go serve God. And the guys that are traveling with him, they're probably saying, Paul, do you know where you want to go? 
And Paul says, no. He just wants to go and serve God, which quite honestly, saints, is probably the best place to be. You don't know what's going on. You're not in control of it. Therefore, you are being led by the Holy Spirit. And where God is closing the door, you need to move. Now, listen, where God is closing the door, you need to move in that direction. Don't try to put a foot in the door that God is closing. Somebody say amen, please. It makes me think of when Elvira and I first got here, March 95. When we first came in, we came in off the 85. Some of you guys know the story. We came in off the 85 and got a hotel. The next day, we found ourselves on the 15501 in Chapel Hill. Now, we're coming here. We're not knowing where we're going. We're not knowing what to do. All I knew is God told me to show up in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and he would tell me the rest. We got in 15501. We were staying at the Hampton Suites. I left my kids in the hotel. This is a Tuesday morning. I left my children in the hotel. Elvira and I go out looking for a place to live. We're looking around in Chapel Hill and looking at the apartment complexes that we can afford. And so, which is in Chapel Hill, very few. So we looked at the very few that we thought we could afford. Mind you, we had very little money and no jobs. So we're filling out applications in various apartment complexes in Chapel Hill, and no one would rent us an apartment. We could not live in Chapel Hill. So that was a closed door. We decided to go to Durham and look around in Durham at the places that we could afford. No one would rent us a place in Durham. That door was closed. I'm starting to take it personal. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? What's wrong with these people in North Carolina? Not realizing that, listen, saints, God was closing the door in Chapel Hill. Because if we had found a place to live in Chapel Hill, Calvary Chapel would be in, this church would have already been in Chapel Hill. And y'all would have been coming to Chapel Hill. <laughs> Say amen if you'd have been coming to Chapel Hill. So we, we were just following the Lord. We didn't know where to be, what to do, where to go. So God closed the door in Chapel Hill, couldn't get a place to live. God closed the door in Durham, couldn't get a place to live, which forced us down into the big city of Morrisville. And we went to the Traybrook Apartments. And the lady in Traybrook Apartments, she rented us a place. Traybrook is, uh, Apartments is on Church Street. Isn't that God? Isn't that God? All right. God thing, God thing. And we, the lady rented us an apartment. And guys, we started this church in Mooresville in an apartment complex, in, at Traybrook Apartment Complex. And I'll tell you, you guys know my story. When I first walked in, I didn't know none of them folks, and they didn't know me. And I walked in in shorts and T-shirts and sunglasses, and 17 people sitting there said, hey, we waiting for the preacher to show up for Bible study. I said, well, I be him. They were like, you know, look like a preacher. And that's how our church got started. But what we need to be sensitive to is when God is closing the door, you just want to move where God is moving you. Don't try to force anything, guys. And, you know, people make the will of God so hard. It really isn't hard. Just when God's closing the door, let it be closed. Don't put your foot in it. Because if you force the door open and you walk through that door, then you're on your own. God is under no obligation to bless 
our mess. Amen, saints? And that's what they're doing. They're going from place to place, seeking the will of God. We learn from our text, they come to Troas. And while in Troas, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia calling Paul and the boys to come over and help them. And notice again, I want to bring your attention to verse 10, the change in the personal pronoun, we. What we learn from that is that Luke now joins the team. On this second missionary journey now, the team is this. Paul, the apostle, Silas, the prophet, Dr. Luke, and Timothy, who's just an all-around good guy. That's the team on this second missionary journey. Now look at verse 11. Therefore, verse 11, you there? Say amen. amen. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course. That's very interesting. Underline it. A straight course to Samothracia, and the next day they came to Neapolis. And from there, in verse 12, to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and we spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia, she listened to the gospel. She was a businesswoman, a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God, notice the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she, in verse 15, and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, if you had judged me faithful to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so, being the good businesswoman she was, she persuaded us to stay. As I wrap this up, I want you to notice in verse 11, they sailed from Troas as a straight course and a straight course to Samothracia and then on to Neapolis, which the Bible tells us was a one-day trip. I bring this to your attention because going from, going from Troas on a straight course to Neapolis took them one day. Acts chapter 20 tells us coming from Neapolis to Troas took them five days. So on the way there, they went one day. Coming back home from Neapolis to Troas took them five days. You want to notice in verse 11, it tells us that they ran a straight course. You see that? Guys, that is a very interesting term, a straight course. It literally is a mariner's term, and it literally means the wind at their back. The wind at their back. I think it's an Irish saying, and I think it's either a blessing or a send-off or something, and it says, may the wind be at your back. Have you ever heard that? Well, that's what this means. May the wind be at your back. The wind at their back. In other words, it seems that the wind at their back, when they got on the boat in Troas, headed to Neapolis, made that trip in one day, the wind at their back was God. It was God almost in the background blowing and... And he blew them straight course to Neapolis. It took them five days to return. 
when they got there, notice they move on from Neapolis to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and they stayed there for some days. And then when they got to Philippi, you notice they came to the riverside. Now, we know that when Paul, listen close, we know that when Paul goes into a city, the first place he goes is where, saints? To a synagogue. But this time he went to the riverside. Why? Because in Philippi, at this point, there was no synagogue, which also tells us that there were not 10 men, Jewish men in the city at this time. Because in any city where there was 10 Jewish men, they would establish a synagogue. So we know at this point that Philippi did not have a lot of Jewish people. We know there weren't 10 men and there was no synagogue. That's why they went to the river, and when they got to the riverside, they found a bunch of women praying. There was one woman there who the Bible says the Lord opened her heart. Her name was Lydia. Lydia's heart was opened, note this, not by Lydia, but by the Lord. Her heart was opened not by Paul, but by the Lord. Wife, husband. You can't open your spouse's heart. Listen, you make a lousy Holy Spirit. Say amen if you knew that. Now the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, makes a great Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit who opens the heart. You can't nag your spouse into coming to church and giving their life to the Lord. Don't be trying to leave tracks in the sandwich. You know, steam on the window in the bathroom, you write it, you run in there while he's showering, you know, turn or burn, and he gets out. Ah! The finger of God, the finger of God. No, don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. That's not good. It doesn't help. The Holy Spirit makes a great Holy Spirit. You make a lousy Holy Spirit. You let the Holy Spirit do his work. You know what you do for your unsaved spouse, friend, family member? Thank you. You pray for him. The Lord opened Lydia's heart. Lydia was a seller of purple. Lydia was a godly woman. She gave her life to Christ after Paul shared the gospel. She was a believer because she was in the prayer meeting, but she wasn't a Christian. And she gave her life to Christ. This businesswoman who was a seller of purple was also very wealthy. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the color purple. Not the movie. The actual dye and how it's extracted, I think you'll find it interesting. But this woman was a wealthy woman, and let me tell you this as I close. Many good scholars believe that Lydia was a single mom. I find that to be interesting. The Bible tells us that when she gave her life to Christ, now listen to me, I'm I'm wrapping it. In closing, what does it mean when a preacher says in closing? Nothing, nothing nothing at all. (laughs) The Bible tells us that she, her whole household got saved. Did you see this here? Look at verse 15. And when she and her household were baptized, you see that? You see, Lydia, many scholars believe, that she was a single mom 
it's very possible that she was divorced. It's very possible that her husband died. Either way, we know there's no mention of Mr. Lydia. Amen. So many scholars believe that this woman was a single mom. And as a single mom, she gave her life to Christ. Her household was changed. And not only was her household changed, but then in her home, in Philippi, the church of Philippi was established. I tell you that, single moms, to tell you this. Just because you're a single mom, it doesn't mean you're any less. That's a word for some. You know, mom, I'm the product of a single mom, and God's faithful. And I tell you, single mom, single dad, nowadays, you're precious in the sight of the Lord. Don't let the culture or anybody else make you think, I'm a single mom, I'm less than, I can't be used of God. This woman, Lydia, was mightily used of God. A church was started in her home. And she was blessed. And her home was blessed. And you will be blessed. We will be blessed. If we say, God, you're God, come into my life and change my life. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter whether you come from a wealthy family or you come from the hood. It doesn't matter. God will make a difference in your life. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.